It can be lonely at the top. We all know what it's like to lead and own a business and wanting to scale, but finding yourself at a glass ceiling. That is where the power of collaboration and connection comes in. Hi, I'm Natasha Milani. I'm an expert at helping businesses and business owners harness the power of collaboration to connect, scale and grow. I am passionate about collaboration. I believe that no one executes alone. We all do better when we do it together. Welcome to this Power of Collaboration podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. I hope that you get the inspiration and information you need to harness the power of collaboration to break through your glass ceilings. Today, we're talking to Dean Cook from RJE Global. Welcome, Dean. Thanks, Natasha. Good, nice to be here. Dean, let's just start with a simple question. Mm-hmm. What does RJE Global do? Okay. So we're an engineering construction business, uh, headquarters here in South Australia. Uh, a lot of our work we do is got an electrical flavour to it, but yeah, heavy industry. Uh, so we did a lot of work in mining and resources, renewable energy. Uh, we've now spread our tentacles, I guess, to um, overseas. So in Asia Pacific region, we've done a few jobs overseas in remote areas, uh, the US, Egypt, and um, I'm the chairman of the board for RJ Mongolia. So we uh, also operate up in Mongolia as well. But uh, yeah, based here in Adelaide. I'm particularly excited to have this conversation today because you do complex projects, exciting projects, and you do them globally and head office here in Adelaide. So can you just talk about the background? How did we get to um, – how many people do you have in the business, Dean? So we have around 350 in the business at the moment. Um, we've got a technical staff of around about 40 or 50 and then we've got construction blue-collar personnel, which makes up the rest as well as uh, our admin- administration and everything else we have. So, so 350 people, head office here in Adelaide – how did the business grow? Just share that story. Yeah, yeah. So um, my business partner and I, Robin, we met in the 90s uh, working in Remote Mindsight, had a few chats about the challenges of, of our current work and um, what we'd like to do in the future. And we had some synergies there with regard to um, our aspirations. And um, yeah, we went off and did our own thing for a couple of years. And then uh, I came back to Adelaide. And yeah, we, we hooked up there in the late 90s, sort of 2000, I came on board as Robin's business partner. And um, yeah, we had about two or three staff and we've grown it since then. We're currently you know, sitting at around over 300 people and uh, we're turning over well in excess of $100 million now. So it's become a, a big business. That is a significant business for South Australia. So are you and Robin from a technical expertise and then the business evolves? So just talk to me about how you grow a business from technical expertise to this business that then deals with a whole range of complexity like people yeah. and HR and cash flow and et cetera? Yeah, good. that's a good question. We, Yeah, we both are engineers and a lot of our expertise was from a technical background. So we've picked up on you know all the requirements of managing a, a business of that size, I guess, organically and obviously, you know, looking at others and talking to others and, and trying to work out. So, yeah, we, we're both drawn to the technical side of things. That gets us really, really excited through innovation and where we can go technically. But, of course, we're to grow the business to the magnitude we've got, we took on construction uh, in a major way sort of early in the piece. Really for us, designing something's not real until it's built uh, and then it's got to be commissioned and turned on and and, uh, we operate in the uh, electrical power for most of the works 
it's a pretty niche market. It's a market that a lot of people are a bit concerned about taking on if they're doing, you know, civil, mechanical and piping works, for example, on a lot of process plants. Uh, the electrical sort of gets put in a bit of a too hard basket and that's where we, we come in, particularly with uh, the HV networks and the high voltage stuff we also do. The whole business model actually is collaboration in, in that context, partnering with your clients, solving their problems so that they can deliver their own projects and operations, that that's collaboration right there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We sort of look at it like, you know, building a relationship, I guess, but, you know, when two parties or multiple parties get together and deliver something, that's that's collaboration. That's probably, the you know, almost the definition of collaboration right there. So um, for us, uh, we have a strong value add in getting early in early on a project. So if we can get in early, we can get the confidence, we can understand the customer's needs and their concerns and their risks, um, then suddenly we can start putting them at ease and working very closely to come up with a, a great technical solution. And then we can then extend that to design and construction and get it over the line with commissioning. Uh, we do bid some projects that just come out as pure construction work. And we often find that um, it's a bit disappointing in that we believe they could have been designed better or they could have been done better. And you're that far down the track. You just, you know, you've got a bid on equal equal par with others um, to do it as a construction job. So um, I'm guessing with the clients you deal with, the projects you work on, they're all customised. There's, there's not sort of one same, same. It's all unique projects? Uh, look, we we try, that's where, you know, we've got a manufacturing facility now and the the scalability of the, of the business is through trying to get repeatability. We're constantly trying to get repeatability into projects. It's very, very difficult. Yeah, they're all bespoke. They're all fairly specialised. Um, but we do su- provide some products now. We do, do some modular solutions. So we've got a seven-acre construction facility at Lonsdale with about 80 personnel working down there. So we build big lumps of kit down there and send them across the country and send them a, a, across the across the world, actually, in the Asia-Pacific region, we send them out. And um, we're constantly trying to get, you know, even for our designs, for our high-voltage protection, you know, across Australia, every network provider's got, you know, a different requirement for their connection agreements. But we try to get, you know, consistency across some of our design because that's where you can, you know, can really add value and scale up and, and your profitability, you know, bottom line helps if you can get some consistency and not do it unique every time. Well, that That's was that was going to be my question because to develop a strategy around your industry, um, and, and that's a great example, and is that the future or is that um, how do you go about planning and strategising for the growth of the business over, over the future and, and managing all the resources that you're going to need, et cetera? Yeah. The, the difficult thing with our business is it's project base. So it's ebbs and flows for there's no consistency in bottom line. So we've got to, I guess, vertically and horizontally try to diversify the business. So what we do is we look at the sectors. So we're luckily enough, you know, when the mining sector or the resources sector has had a downturn, uh, the renewable energy sector had an upturn. So we were able to balance out across those sectors. We're pushing into defence now. Defence is a great opportunity here in South Australia with all, as we know, the the heads of of the world here in defence. Um, so we're pushing into that with some of our, we've got some really cool products that we've developed. Um, a lot of it is this uh, GRC concrete based um, buildings that we build, which lend themselves to defence very, very well. Um, so the diversification is really, really in- important for us. But also what we've done is we've been able to tack on and value add within our deliverable. So uh, good examples, probably um, you know, the first wind farm we built, someone else dug the trenches uh, we were there to roll the cable out, connect all the cable up, 
And the cable was free issued to us. It was late delivery. The trenches were open for three months. By the time we got there, the trenches had, had sheep and dirt and they were they were useless. So they had to be all redug again. Um, we looked at that and went, okay, next job, let's bid for the trenches. So we've now got you know $20 million worth of yellow plant and trenching equipment that we do all the trenching ourselves. Um, so we tend to just see something. We believe we can do it better and we tack it on. We've now got a fleet of um, trucks and trailers that move our equipment around. Some of our equipment's big, heavy bits of kit. We're talking 100 tonne, 150 tonne sometimes on the back of a trailer. Um, there's probably only a handful of trailers in, in the country that will, will be able to move those pieces of equipment. So we build a trailer and um, we move it around ourselves now. We've got our own trucks and trailers. And so, yeah, it's a bit, you know, it's a Henry Ford type, you know, theory where it, we'll do it all ourselves, we'll cover it off and, you know, that's really important for us. And um, I guess that makes it, and I spoke earlier about the collaboration, it makes it a bit difficult because you really, you know, as a business owner, you've, you've, you've got yourself to a position. We've been going for 20, 25 years. We do some things really, really well. And you're very concerned about, you know, letting go of, of the skills that you've got and sharing those skills for someone else to be able to go and be your, potential your competitor. So collaboration is a, uh, it's not all kumbaya and uh, hugs and kisses. It's uh, it's sometimes a, a little bit of fisticuffs as well. So nice segue into talking um, specifically about collaboration because you're highlighting the complexity, the challenges that you faced and I guess there's a fine line, isn't there, between collaboration and partnering versus seeing an opportunity for your own business growth and, as you say, that whole end-to-end value chain that you're creating. Talk to me a bit more about that. So maybe use some examples if you've got any about where the opportunity works or where there's complexity and it might come with challenges. So a lot of, uh, you know, when we have a a, a big customer, it might be a large mining company or a large entity, that relationship's very well defined. We've got a contract, we've got terms of that contract, we all up front have vetted that contract, we're we're comfortable where everyone sits and and if you ever, you know, have some, some disagreement, you've got a document that you put on the table and you work through that document and try to keep it out of the lawyer's hands wherever, wherever possible. Um, when you go in and do an official, I guess let's call it a collaboration, but it may be a joint venture or a consortium or there's all sorts of terms that you can use, then it's often not well defined. So the governance of that agreement business to business is often not not well defined. Um, so one, you've got the concern about someone stealing your IP or stealing your, your, your knowledge. But two, just simple things, you know, who's going to be the contracting party? You know, how are we going to administer this as a contract? So it's similar to looking at setting up a business. People have, you know, got experience with setting up a business. One of the first things you probably should do is sit down and agree on a shareholders agreement so that you know exactly how you overcome any challenges, how you vote on certain things and how you how you manage it. So we've used a few models. Joint ventures really don't work that well. We've gone down a path of having a consortium agreement, which just sits in the background. Uh, when we sign the head contract, we'll often go with a joint and several liability so that basically we both sign on if we're working with another company and we're both jointly and severably liable for delivering whatever the solution is that the customer's expecting to get. So the customer's comfortable because they've got both years on the hook and then sitting in the background you've got another agreement that you actually formally work out who's responsible for what and where the liabilities lay and and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, the collaboration, it, it becomes difficult when things get tough or where 
you know, you, you, you in business often does get get tough and you've got to really, you know, come back to that. It's interesting because you're talking about the complexity of the projects and the clients you work with and those consortiums because you you need those consortiums. You need to be able to deliver together. But we use we're talking about risk, we're talking about liability. There are some fundamentals that some businesses don't have in their own business day yeah, to day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So and- for anyone listening, Dean does this all the time but they should reflect on maybe what that means for their own businesses in a simple context. Definitely. And unfortunately these days, you know, you, you often do have to revert back to, you know, what, what, what you have written down in relation to, you know, how you're going to work together on something and often what you first intend to go towards doesn't eventuate. So you've got to then take a different tact or someone might want to drop out of the collaboration or the consortium or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, it, it can be difficult. Um, I guess the analogy I, I've got with regard to it is if you grab, you know, six businesses, put them in a room together and go, okay, you guys work together, how are you going to work together? The first thing that anyone with any experience would say is, you know, how are we going to execute a project? You know, what's it going to look like? How are we going to do it together? Um, because you might go, oh, yeah, I can value add this, I can add this, I can add this. But the most simple agreement you can have is a contractor, subcontractor agreement. You can't get more simple than that. And once you start going to these other mechanisms to execute projects, yeah, it can become quite complex. Dean, can you share some other collaboration experiences? They could be where you've overcome challenges or what about some success stories where it's been something new and innovative. Well, we've, we've branched out overseas. I guess that comes with its own uh, challenges, the, the, the sovereign risk and whatever else happens in other countries is often not what happens here in Australia and what you're used to. We set up in Mongolia about seven years ago now. So we've now grown that business over there substantially. Uh, we're working for one of the big miners over there at OU Tolgoy Mine. It's um, our big copper mine, which is, which is an exciting project. Um, and we've then built some relationships in country uh, with some Mongolian national companies. And one of those companies sort of had strong synergies with us. They're a similar sort of electrical background, similar dynamic, uh, two owners, you know, it, it kind of worked privately owned company. Um, so we, we built and worked on that relationship, used some of their labour, and then went over there and sat down with them and spoke to them about how we could bring good value to Mongolia. Um, the skills over there are nowhere near the levels for electrical, certainly, uh, in Australia. So they required some training over there. They required a lot of guidance and the, the end customer basically said that they want to have um, expats over there delivering their project. We've now sold 49% of the business to, to this national company. The challenges are, are a lot of them are cultural challenges. A simple thing is that, you know, our expats get paid sort of 10, 15 times what the Mongolians get paid and they're working next to each other, sometimes doing exactly the same job to some extent. So um, there's always that, uh, yeah, overcoming the fact that, you know, just, just a simple wage discussion <laughs> on site. And um, they also feel that they should be self-delivering most of this. They really do. They feel that, you know, and, and once you, I guess, feed that and understand that and say, well, yeah, we're help we're going to help you get to that level where you'll be the best in country or the best in the world in regards to this electrical work, um, that satisfies them enormously and makes them feel a lot more comfortable. You know, dealing in Asia, it's it's very difficult on their terms, often often doing it. But, um, yeah, they've been great. They, actually, the Mongolians don't like, like being called an Asian country. They, they prefer to be Mongolians. So. <laughs> Noted. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, the 
connection between strategy, culture, collaboration, we talk on this podcast quite a bit. So culture is a, is a critical element. Um, how do you build that culture within RJU? You, you've, you've had fast growth, you've got technical people, you've got global partnerships um, and you've already talked about some unique cultures. How does RJE set the, the cultural tone of the business? Robert and I have been hands-on throughout the whole journey with the company for about 20 more years now. So we encourage everyone within the business to be across the business, to be involved from the coalface right through to the design and engineering. We see ourselves as a service to the blue-collar workers out there building it. So that really helps with the culture because... No one's afraid to get their hands dirty. No one's afraid to get involved. We've gone through step changes within the business um, of adding levels of management, but then trying to keep that transparency as far as a lot of the people that are now been with us for 10, 15 years have come up through the business. So that actually allows that relationship to blend nicely with the new workers and with the guys in the field, um, which is really important. Just sort of seeing now a bit of a shift change where some people are starting to take the lead at different levels within the business. The social club's going strong. <laughs> um, we're starting to have a few more social events. And I had my first really pleasant experience. We had a golf day, was it, a couple of weeks ago. And um, at the end of the golf day, I sat there and just let the social club do all the talking and and um, it was wonderful just to sit back and, and see it sort of self-driven and self-perpetuating as far as the culture goes. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's probably one of the more pleasurable things about um, owning a business is actually seeing people uh, come through and, 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 and take on those those leadership and try to try to build and grow the culture. Lead by example, as you say. Thank you, Dean. Just in summary, just wondering if you could share, given the nature of your business, it's very exciting, some of the projects uh, I'm confident are very exciting. Can you just share a little insight into a project or something new and innovative that you're seeing emerge and what opportunity that brings. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've certainly got some wonderful um, opportunities within the renewable sectors. Um, I think we're in a real transition period at the moment uh, in going from, you know, decarbonising fuel sources through to green energy sources. Um, And one of the spin-offs from that, we had an interesting inquiry last week from a Bitcoin miner who um, I think with Bitcoin mining being shut down in a few countries, I think China and, and Kazakhstan and a few others are, are uh, having difficulty in justifying the huge demand and use of power that Bitcoin mining requires to run their servers and to cool their cool their equipment. Um, yeah, there's there's some inquiries now in, in trying to use some of the excess green energy that can be produced on, on sites. Often the demand for renewable energy is not there when the renewable energy can be produced, particularly in wind and solar. We operate in the wind space. We've built over 40 wind farms now, so we've got some great relationships there with owners and, and OEM suppliers for wind energy. And um, yeah, there's just been a bit of a push at the moment to possibly look at how we can utilise green energy on wind farms for um, for Bitcoin mining. Not, not that I'm any expert on how all that works, but the cryptocurrency seems to be strong and with us and it's a huge consumer of power. So, um, yeah, looking at using wind, wind farms to uh, to run Bitcoin. So we'll see. You were, that is a, That's an incredible story. So leveraging South Australia's renewable energy uh, expertise and, and access to renewable energy, we're setting up Bitcoin mining and we, we could probably do a whole other podcast on what that is. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and the thing is, I guess, the, the, the issue there is that the, the Bitcoin mining, it... Um, 
fortunately doesn't employ a lot of people and uh, yeah so I don't know what you know, what benefit it brings to the to, to us but it's certainly it's real it's there and there's a demand for it so um yeah it'll be demand driven so mm. Mm. well that that is a unique opportunity for South Australia and just finally just is there any gaps that RJE has identified where people listening might go oh that's a RJE's a company we could collaborate with yeah, sure. Look, we seek any anything in that too hard to do, high voltage sort of works around electrical sort of space. Um, we do that. We also do a lot of modular construction for remote sites. So, but one thing I do want to touch on is I think I've you know um, talked down collaboration quite a bit during this podcast. But it is crucial. It is important. I just you know point out the, um, the, the some of the difficulties when, when we get down to the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritties of actually how you're going to execute projects. Lovely point to leave on because collaboration is important. But as you say, it's it's complex and we have to be realistic and make sure we get the house in order to mm. ensure that we execute well. So I think um, everyone can take that lesson away today. Thank you, Dean Cook, for your time. Very welcome. Thank you. At SA Leaders, we're all about collaboration and community. If you're curious to know more about how we help businesses and leaders just like you scale and grow beyond their glass ceilings, then visit our website at www.saleaders.com.au. And please don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with your network and write a review if you really enjoyed it. This has been an Audiosity production. I'm Natasha Milani. I look forward to chatting with you next time. Happy connecting. Mm-hmm.